Welcome to the BTA podcast. BTA, the voice of business travel. Hey everybody and welcome to this, the latest edition of the BTA podcast. My name is Clive Ratton and I'm the Chief Executive of the Business Travel Association and I'm delighted this afternoon to be focusing on aviation. Uh, We have a couple of colleagues along from EasyJet and we're going to cover off a lot of issues around what's gone on over the past uh, 12 months, but more importantly, looking to the future. So with me today uh, are our great partners, EasyJet, as I mentioned, and I have uh, James Marchant and Thomas Bussur here with us. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Hi, Clive. How are you doing? Hi, Clive. Hi, Thomas. And I hear you're um, live from Paris. Is that right? Is it a beautiful, beautiful day over there? I am. It, it is a beautiful day, as you'd expect. Feeling very jealous, but uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we move on from a very more dull uh, Buckinghamshire. Uh, guys, really, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the fantastic support that EasyJet gives to the Business Travel Association. First up, um, but can you um, kind of give our uh, listeners a little bit of an overview of the roles that you both do, and uh, how long you've been in EasyJet, and uh, just a bit of background? So, James, could we start with you, please? Yeah, so I, I guess really, Thomas and I have a, a shared responsibility for business travel w- within EasyJet. We we set the business travel strategy. In a normal year, that's 16 million passengers. Of course, that's that's not this year, but it's that segment of, of the uh, passenger type that, that we look after. So my role is looking at the um, corporate customer side of things and looking at how we segment our corporate customers, how we engage with those customers and what the proposition is that we present towards them as well. Uh, I've been with EasyJet for, for about 10 years now. So I don't know if I get an award or anything like that in the summer, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Uh, I'm also a proud member of the BTA Industry Partner Board. Absolutely. And great contribution you've given to us over the time uh, that you've been doing that. So thank you. Thomas, a little bit about yourself, please. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm Thomas Busser. I'm a Senior Business Development Manager at EastJet as well, looking after distribution and travel management companies more specifically. Uh, I've been about uh, been around about the same time as James, really, uh, when this whole story started uh, within EastJet and we started to look into business travel a bit more in details. Uh, then I moved to PR to cover wider reputational challenges. Uh, and then I worked into marketing and, and brand for a bit when we were setting up new initiatives like uh, EastJet holidays. And finally, back uh, where I come from to as James was saying, run the strategy, uh, in my case, more around distributing our content to business travelers through third parties. So that obviously includes discussion with um, TMCs. That's great. Thanks both. And I, and I think to our listeners, to some of them, maybe a bit of surprise, the real focus that EasyJet has on business travel, giving uh, the, the kind of background of, of EasyJet. So, you know, how important is business travel to EasyJet as an airline now and for the future? The headline I always um, stated is that the great thing about business travel is that it means that we can utilize you know, aircraft at times when they wouldn't normally be flying anywhere. So if you, you think about a wet Tuesday in, in November when everyone is at, is at work, we can utilize those aircraft for, for business travel um, alongside you know the, the wonderful destinations that we can serve during normal summer times as well. So yeah, very important about 20% of all travellers are, are business travellers. 
And I was going to add even more so when you look on certain routes, obviously it all started with uh, an existing customer base of business traveler that was already there. And it was all around extending this to those more travel policy enforced kind of corporates, obviously integrating all the, the right channels for them to focus on and offer the experience that these guys are, are expecting from us. So there's been lots of things happening in the meantime, introducing new services, new products that were um really not in our DNA uh, originally, but um, it seems like today we're, uh, we're a very good alternatives to um, any other airline out there historically. Absolutely. I mean, I think for us as our members, you know, EasyJet is one of those airlines that just naturally falls as now being seen as a as a choice for, for business travels, which might not have been the case um, many years ago when you started. And, and I think that leads nicely on to maybe giving us a bit of a background as to what's been going on over the last um, 12 months. And I know you've gone through some kind of uh, reorganizations as all companies have in this, but what it means for the corporate world and, and the TMCs from a um, your distribution, your team and, and some of those pieces. Either of you like to pick that one up? Yeah, if I, if I go first, Thomas, um, you know, I think back to a, a year ago when you know, this whole situation was, was developing. I think we're, we're coming up to really the, the anniversary of the business travel show where our colleague from Italy uh, was deciding he wasn't going to join us at the show because he was going into lockdown. And we all thought he was exaggerating. <laughs> and we all thought it was That's an right. excuse. <laughs> um, but, but sure enough, it was the beginning of a, of a, a new time that uh, will we'll obviously go down in history. Um, and then as the months of last year kind of progressed, uh, we were facing you know, a, a dire situation. Um, we, well, most of our team were, were, were furloughed from April onwards. Um, and then it was probably around about June time that, that things started to change in terms of decisions were being made within, within the airline to really ensure that we were fit for purpose uh, at the, the other side of the, of the pandemic. Um, so there was a, a restructure of the business. Uh, Thomas and I uh, were then assigned into our, our roles within the uh, looking after that, that business stra- uh, strategy. So last summer, while Thomas was still sipping cocktails by his pool in the south of France, we were on uh, Zoom calls, etc., just kind of plotting you know, how we can actually uh, start building recovery. Uh, out of this situation of course it's taking a lot longer than we anticipated but it's uh yeah it's been a quite a quite a challenging year yeah to say the least and then tell us while you were sipping those cocktails which sounds very um enjoyable right now you know what are the kind of plans that you were you were coming up with we, we the two of you were kind of charged with coming up with a with the, the kind of policy or strategy for business travel to come out of this you know what? I think that was actually a good learning experience, though, for everyone, because that's, we've always kind of agreed that EasyJet was very European in its DNA from the start and the way we're set up. But I think we've never experienced it to a level where last year, obviously, we've had such different situation across all the different markets we fly to and fly from. Uh, essentially those in Western Europe where we would normally see demand being slightly the same and obviously operating in a similar kind of way. Um, this year was completely different as you'd expect. And even even nowadays, we see lots of difference in depending on how quarantine measures are either implemented or lifted, or we see recovery coming stronger in some places than others. So it's required a lot of adaptability, but I think even within the business where you want to be very global in your approach and and have this kind of one-size-fits-all kind of strategy, that obviously proves not to work that well uh, in a year like this. And and we've really taken um, good, um, how can I say, good 
there's, there's a good advantage, I guess, of, of being structured the way we are. And we've certainly seen it and experienced it more this year than we ever have before. Yeah, so do you, I mean, you're saying that you have to take a different approach on a market by market basis over recovery, or do you see it all kind of the same approach right across all of the markets that you cover? We do it. We do see it being different, and I think it's been what's been particularly useful is as a business who's set up across all those different markets. Not only we can help each other, but we can also obviously rely on one market more than the other. So we're not so dependent on one market solely. So even though all of those have been affected to a certain extent at a certain point in time, they all reacted to it differently. And especially now after 12 months into this crisis, we kind of know what to expect and where we see demand recovering. And we can obviously play with cap- around capacity and, and things like this just, just to adapt a bit more to what um, people are expecting and where demand is coming from. And it's been s- super helpful uh, on the business side of things as well, obviously. So to give you an example, I'm pretty close to French domestics that are actually performing really well. Um, and they have for the past six months or so. So we're kind of hoping for the same scenario to be reproduced across all the different markets. Now, obviously, there are different constraints everywhere, but we're quite hopeful that if it's worked somewhere, it's going to work elsewhere. And and that's the beauty of being uh, such a European business at heart, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And James, you know, following on from that, do you expect to see the UK corporate business return domestic flying ahead of some of the European flying? Is Is that your thoughts? Well, there's some you know, domestic flying is is kind of st- still there, and that that's been one of the surprising things over the, the the last few weeks. Maybe since November, when we went into that kind of uh, partial lockdown, uh, we we thinned the network according to what the anticipated demand would be. Uh, but there have been obviously some domestic some domestic flying has stayed in place, uh, and we've seen some you know uh, very not strong volumes, but but decent volumes than we would expect, um, and so we think that the you know certainly the capacity that we have in terms of the the, the number of flights that we have, the volume of seats that we have available, uh, we've seen some reasonably healthy load factors, some reasonably healthy uh, revenue per seat um, figures, uh, and we think we've got it about right. We think we've got the capacity just about aligned with with what the demand is. But you know, overall and across Europe, we're still seeing you know six or seven thousand seats a day being sold for reasons for work or or business travel. Yeah, it, it's quite a remarkable number. I don't think I'd ever imagine myself saying seven thousand people is a really strong number, but it is given the current climate <laughs> no. that we're all extremely grateful for. We- and. We're celebrating right. the small wins, Clive. Celebrating the small wins. That sounds like a significant win to me. I must admit, it's seven thousand pounds. But I know what you mean. You do have to focus on the positives as we as we come out of that. And I know from talking to you before that you've kind of used this period, which I think a lot have of companies have to you know, kind of look at the future and experiment a little bit. And is there anything that you've kind of come up with that, through this difficult period that you've used the time to to try some stuff out on or some ideas? Yeah, I think the, the one. The one thing we're really interested in looking at, at, at doing is is playing around with our premium fare. We we thought it was a fare that it's called Flexi. Uh, it's really designed for for business travel. It contains lots of different you know elements that are, are useful for business travel. And we thought that we could see if we could turn it into some form of net fare that a TMC could could mark up and, and use. Uh, something we've never done before. Something we've 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 never had the ability to do. So I, I, I think the fact that that me and Thomas were there and itching to try these things, uh, we were able to kind of get approval to, to to give it a go. 
So we, we did a bit of a trial, a bit of an experiment uh, around September, October time. Uh, and, you know, we learned a lot. It, we, we, it really demonstrated to us that, you know, there was an appetite for this sort of approach. There was an appetite for trying new things. Uh, but it also highlighted a few you know, things that we needed to learn as well in terms of how this content is is consumed. Uh, I'll let Thomas speak more about that because it is the, the distribution side of things. But, you know, there's there's one or two things that, we, that we've learned um, and some challenges that we still need to, to overcome. But at least we've learned what the challenges are. Yeah, that's good to hear. And Thomas, yeah, I mean, interesting for our community, the travel management community, to hear around distribution and, and of course, being a you know of a low-cost uh, carrier background, it, you've had a slightly different approach, but it'd be fantastic to bring us up to date as to what your distribution plans are moving forward then. Sure. I mean, long story short, I think um, when, when we started, obviously, in this business, we've quickly realized that uh, we had to play by the rules. So that included uh, getting involved with the GDSs and the whole third party distribution, etc. And that's obviously become uh, more of a thing for us um, as years went by. And certainly nowadays where we see lots of booking, especially business coming in direct, where we are looking into it more than ever. But I think what we've learned certainly from the last let's say six to 12 months is that um, we could use this opportunity of bookings obviously being lower than we would normally expect to, well, clean up, let's say, and rationalize some of our uh, uh, ways of distributing content and certainly look into where the opportunities are. And I think the part I enjoyed the most personally is seeing some of those TMCs taking on the challenge of getting a bit more involved in those topics and and not necessarily just rely on on third parties and and, and kind of... uh, solutions out there to uh, to give them what they need i think there's a great sense of responsibility from their end in terms of i mean certainly cert- certain of them in terms of understanding what value they add and, and some of that value comes from how they distribute that content and obviously we do lots of great things on our website so it's about trying to replicate some of that to a certain extent into an indirect world um, and in most cases actually come with a great sense of creativity. I mean, I must say I've had quite some interesting chats with certain TMCs across um, across our different markets where they, they've, they've been very creative with the solutions they came back with in terms of how they could merchandise certain products. Um, and certainly the smaller TMCs, I guess, who are kind of entering the market at the moment, they do have a different approach to distributing, which is probably closer to what you would see in a B2C environment as opposed to what we would normally see in that B2B business environment. So it's been really helpful for us to reshape and design some of our um, some of our approaches to distribution in general. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the TMC community has always been fairly fast on its feet. It's had to be by the very nature of the industry that we work in and, and how quickly it changes as one. But it's, you know, I think moving to modern day retailing, as I prefer to call it rather than anything else, is a is a yep. significant step forward that all um, TMCs have used this time for the most part to um, to to move forward in that area. And I think it's good for um, you as a partner, good for the TMCs, but most importantly, good for the end customer, which is what it, it needs to be. And you know, there's a view which I'd be interested in your thoughts around TMCs playing a part moving forward in, in a world that is much more complex when when traveling as to how important the TMC is. So therefore, the distribution and the ability to sell product, um, I would have thought is, is going to be really important for you to work closely with the industry. That'd be true. 
Yeah, I mean, lately there's been there's been there clearly there's been a shift in our numbers in how those bookings are being made. So, looking at bookings that are coming in direct, we certainly see uh, a lot more bookings recently. Obviously, going via the influence of a travel agent at, at a certain point who books on a GDS rather than someone booking directly on an on a self booking tool, for example. And this all goes with the story of being more in control and and being more in control of their spend and just knowing where people are flying nowadays even more than before. So, um, I mean, I think it's played in our favor, and I think it's certainly work for those TMCs who have a good understanding of what the value of that travel agent that sits in the middle. Um, and, and we've had some really good relationships historically with some of them where I think because tra- air travel just have a tendency to be very commoditized and all of a sudden people realize that actually, well, no, it's, it's not that much of a commodity. It's clearly that there's, there's lots of differences still across the different layer lines and different products. And depending how you access the content, you wouldn't necessarily access the same content from the same supplier. So I think there's a great sense of knowledge from that now. And that's very much still what we're talking about and educating the travel agents about. But it's um, it, there's been a good reaction and uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. Yeah, it's positive to hear. And I think the right way to go through through this period is to work together to find those better selling solutions for everybody. Talking of which, I want to touch on a subject that's very close to my heart that James knows this, and, and I think it's a bit of a... I always know what you're going to say next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, a big, I fly you guys a lot, and it was always, you know, always the one little niggle, because otherwise it's fantastic, is the, the cabin baggage policy. Now, I think it's changed recently, talking about flex ticketing. Do you kind of a bit of an update of what's gone on there? Yeah, so from uh, last week, we introduced a new policy in, in terms of the type of cabin bag that you can bring on board um, for free so over the last few years you've been able to bring an, an ir to size standard cabin bag with no weight limit um with any with with any um, seat that you purchase of course that has meant that on some flights we've got 180 odd people bringing on those uh, those cabin bags and simply the just not being enough room in the cabin to be able to accommodate those in in the lockers etc so it's been a challenge, but it's been a topic that has been a difficult one to address. And of course, you know, we've had to think really carefully about how and uh, and when we address that. So the new policy that we that we introduced last week meant that any customer can bring a a, a bag into the cabin that can fit under the seat in front of them. So of course, that's significantly smaller than the standard cabin bag. Um, but if you purchase um, a premium seat, and that is generally a seat at the front of the plane, you can then continue to bring that large cabin bag uh, on board. Uh, you also get speedy boarding included um, with with that seat as well, and also um, EasyJet um, plus bag drop as well. So if you've got a checked in bag, you can use the the bag drop option as well. So a bit of a change in in, in policy. One that we think will be beneficial in terms of on-time performance, and, and that is really the operational side of things, is, has been our biggest concern. Uh, the the cost of uh, delays has, has been obviously kind of quite significant, not only just to us in, in the operation, but in, in terms of the time for, for customers as well. So we think that is going to be the primary benefit uh, from this new policy, as well as you know general improvements in, in comfort, uh, when you're traveling on business, for example, uh, not having all of that 
kerfuffle that's taking place as people try to find somewhere in the lockers to put their cabin bag uh, will you know, be a, a much more stress-free you know, environment and, and hopefully a lot faster as well. So, yeah, looking good so far. It's good, yeah. I, I look forward to my next flight uh, on EasyJet for that, that scenario. I, I think, you know, personally, that was always a, a stressor for me, that kind of uh, in the cabin, everybody fighting for the overhead bag, uh, cabin space. And uh, I think it's to allow the business traveller to make that choice, informed choice, um, is, is a really positive thing. So well done to EasyJet for um, moving that, in my opinion. Uh, and I think, you know, just sort of as we sort of move towards the end of our, our conversation here, I know that kind of stuff, creativity is really needed in this industry to come out of this um, situation that we're in and, and find a full recovery. So you guys have always been uh, known as an innovative airline and, and very creative. So, yeah, what's your kind of views for what the industry needs or maybe even just for EasyJet around creativity as we come out of this to to get back to some form of sustainable industry that we, that we can enjoy? I, I think for me, and then I'll... I'll hand over to thomas on this one but i think for me it is the fact that the things that we've tried to do in terms of experimentation uh, it's really highlighted the content that we make available through our api it is everything that we have we, we we make everything available through our api so it's down to those that take that content that consume that content to do something with it and and it it feels to me that we're we're as an industry slightly behind the curve on those on those developments and we kind of understand completely understand the challenges that are there in terms of you know developing against apis etc but it just it just strikes me when we hear all of the progress being made on things like ndc which is all about you know api content you know we, we've been making that content available through our api for years uh, and, and we're still not happy with what we see <laughs> we still kind of have uh, large gaps in 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 how that content is is presented on different booking tools and, and being able to even things like being able to get seat maps available with some with some rather rather large you know contenders it's a real challenge just to be able to um get a, a seat map presented and all we want all we really want is for a customer that's used to using our website and, and used to being able to you know, select where they want to sit on the plane to be able to get that same experience through a, through a third party. So, yeah, one of my frustrations is that that is has been difficult. Uh, now is the time that you know take advantage of the content that is there and uh, and give that customer the experience that that they're looking for. Yeah, that, better, better that's the one thing I'd, I'd be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and Thomas, just uh, quickly, any thoughts for you on on creativity from what's needed from the industry? Yeah, I guess my take on this is I would really encourage everyone to just probably think about who you compete with in the first place. So obviously everyone's out there grabbing market shares from everyone and airlines compete with TMCs, TMCs compete without compete with other TMCs, TMCs compete with compete with OTAs to a certain extent. So it's all out there and and it's at the end of the day, it's all about the customer experience, as James said. But I think I would really encourage everyone to also think about API connectivity or NDC, whatever you want to call it, as a cost reduction opportunity, not just a revenue opportunity, because clearly there's lots of things you could be doing, especially nowadays. I mean, I keep telling everyone I, I talk to, um, don't think of it just uh, for the booking side of things, but there's a, a whole lot you can capture via the API to manage booking post-booking uh, activity, whether it's a flight change, whether there's a cancellation and we need to inform you and you need to rebook yourself, et cetera. And there's lots of things that an API can allow you to do, 
which I think, unfortunately, very few third parties have really taken on as a challenge to integrate. Now I get the challenge comes from the diversity of content that's out there and, and they can't possibly work with every airline across the globe. But um, I think there's, yeah, there's good cost reduction opportunity for their cost base, knowing that um, instead of having an agent calling us on the phone, they could be doing lots of things in a digital way if they were to have access to it. Um, and then it's about obviously merchandising the product in the best possible way. I mean, we obviously put everything out there, but it's up for everyone, for anyone to grab and decide whether they want to merchandise it as a bundle, whether they want to sell it as a, as a standard seat and just let people kind of add all the options on top of it. That's the kind of thing you can start thinking about. And I think, again, very few TMCs have really taken on the challenge of looking at this as a whole and, and rethink completely the customer journey in terms of what the airline are selling. Um, so I think there's lots of great things looking at it from door to door, et cetera. But when you look at the core product, I think there's still a lot of improvement to be made. Um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, sustainability, I guess has been a ma massive challenge for us uh, as an, as an industry in the past couple of months. Um, I think EasyJet was very much on top of it, uh, coming up with a um, net zero kind of compensation program, um, well, already a, a year and a half ago. And now one of my key area of interest, obviously, is how do we make this visible throughout the customer journey when someone books in direct and how do we make a difference? And uh, and again, there's, there's lots of uh, conversations happening around this at the moment. So I'd really encourage everyone to, to look into it into a bit more details. Great. I think, yeah, we take away from that that it is about collaboration uh, moving forward as well as creativity and grabbing this opportunity um, to, to make things better moving forward so something good comes out of the last 12 months. So, um, listen, we've, we've almost reached the end, but before we go, just uh, very quickly, uh, James, first EasyJet destination you're going to head to once uh, you're allowed to get back flying. Oh, do you know what, Clive? I, I asked this question quite a bit to, to different ones about favourite business destination and favourite leisure so my favorite business destination which i'd love to i'd love to go to amsterdam very soon we're going to be launching uh, birmingham to amsterdam flights i'm looking forward to trying them out so that'll be my first business destination and i think first leisure oh, right the 12 is such there is such a huge choice such a huge choice um palmer nice and easy and it's where i it's where i was supposed to be going um last march before we went into lockdown so palmer <laughs> Right, and of course, uh, Heineken. Uh, you'd be going to the Heineken factory in Amsterdam. Nowhere else, no cake shops or anything like that. Of course, um, yeah, you've got that close. Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Thomas, uh, where's where's your destination you're going to head to first? Well, it's a similar response to James's, but actually, I was in. Uh, I remember when this whole thing started back in March last year. I was actually traveling through Jordan, and I had to cut short because I had to fly back home just before lockdown kicked off. So um, I'll probably resume that trip and and go back to Jordan if that's possible. Good for you. Well, and look forward to that day coming sooner rather than later. But James Thomas, thank you so much for joining us, giving us a really good insight into uh, what's been happening at EasyJet and uh, what your hopes and plans are for the future. As I said at the beginning, really appreciate all of the support you've given the community, the business travel community, and, and not least, of course, the Business Travel Association. And uh, certainly look forward to working with uh, the both of you on redefining the customer journey and uh, getting this industry back to where uh, we need to be. So, Thomas, James, thanks once again for your time and uh, hopefully see you soon. Thanks, Clive. Thanks, Clive. That was the BTA podcast. 
BTA, the voice of business travel.